Amen. Good afternoon or good evening to all of you. God be praised for all that he has done. Our God is great and he is greatly to be praised. Let me again thank God for all of you uh, that are with us right now. Again, to those of you that are streaming with us in Washington, Kansas, Mississippi, Nashville, Tennessee, Texas, Ohio, Indiana, uh, again, California, North and South Carolina, Florida. We're so grateful. Thailand. We are grateful to all of you. Again, to all our brothers and sisters in the state of Michigan, down in Portage, Kalamazoo, Ann Arbor, Ypsilanti, Battle Creek, Bay City, and Midland, Pontiac, Flint, Detroit. Again, we're grateful to all of you uh, that are streaming with us. To all of you right here in the place on today, again, we are again excited to have you back in the house of the Lord yet one more time. God is great. And he is greater to be praised. Again, we celebrate God again. Uh, we thank God for the change in weather. Again, I'm so excited. I say this often and it bears repeating. Uh, we've got to learn how to be grateful for every day. I, I promise you six months from now, somebody will be complaining that it's too cold. Learn to thank God for the weather. Think about it. The weather, the hot weather heats the ground. That again heats the seeds that grow into the produce that you use to make your greens and pork and beans and black eyed peas and all of the above. So thank God for the heat that heats the ground, that heats the seed, that makes the seed change so that it can be what we need it to be. Again, we're thankful to God for all of you, <clears throat> again, for his continued mercy and grace. Uh, we celebrate God because God is great and greatly to be praised. So to all of you, again, thank you for being with us. Again, like and share. You know, that's our general rule. Like and share. Again, uh, we thank God for all of you. A couple of things to be aware of. Uh, number one, again, let's continue to lift in prayer uh, members of our church family. Again, Sister Linda Stuckey. Again, we're praying for her in the loss of her brother, Brother Raz Box, in the loss of his cousin, Sister Rawls, Ardella Rawls, in the loss of her brother. All of those funerals, if I'm not mistaken, with the exception of one, Sister Stuckey, the funeral is tomorrow. Brother Raz uh, Box, again, that funeral, I think, is next week. Okay, so that'll be tomorrow as well. So we ask you again to keep them in mind, Sister Ardella Rawls. I'm not sure if the funeral is tomorrow. I believe it is. I could be off on that, but we want you to be praying for her. While we celebrate with them and pray for them, let's not forget Sister Karen Thomas and Sister um, Patricia and Whitney Kernan. Let's keep praying for them. Uh, again, um, again, we pray for them and we pray for all of you. Uh, let's pray for the sick and shut in. Um, to my knowledge, I could be wrong here. There is no one in the hospital, but we keep praying again for our elders and for all of you. Want you to be aware of that. I failed to mention this. I mentioned it the first Sunday, um, and I have not mentioned it since then. But again, I want to again acknowledge again the members of the month. I want to lift them again. So the members of the month for June is the entire production team. All right, the entire production team. So we celebrate the production team. They have been in full force uh, for nearly two and a half years. We have thanked them down through the years, through the last two years, but we thank God again for them publicly. And the other person 
That is the member of the month is Sister Blanche Williams. Yep, Sister Blanche Williams. And so again, I want to make sure I put that out there. So again, we celebrate you. We will acknowledge that again Sunday uh, so that everybody is aware of that. Again, I remember the month for this month is Sister Blanche Williams and the production team. So Brother Gaines will come camera in hand and make sure we get your pictures so that we can put you up on the wall in the fellowship hall to acknowledge you for what you do uh, for our ministry. All right. This upcoming Sunday, again, uh, we take time to celebrate the past and wife. Uh, four years of service here at New Life. And a total of 24 years of ministry as leaders in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. So, again, we thank God. You don't want to miss the service on Sunday. Again, got a great preacher coming in the person, Dr. Nathan uh, Johnson, good friend of mine. Uh, again, great preacher, highly sought after across the country. We thank God for him being a good friend. Uh, we have worked together over the last 10, 12 years. And, again, he has been here. If you've been part of Wolverine, you have seen him. And, again, we look forward to a great day. Uh, we hope that you will come on that day. We look forward to that. Uh, again, I want to lift this up uh, real quickly. Uh, we are working with the state troopers. The state troopers, for the first time in four years, the state troopers were in the park as we opened the park. It's the first time in four years. I want to go a step further and say maybe five or six that we've had anybody from law enforcement in the park. And so we've developed this relationship, and they have uh, coming up, I think the date is July the 20th. They have a fishing expedition for about two hours. I think that's a Wednesday. Um, and so they're looking to partner with us and with other churches. Um, it's called Field Day with a Trooper. And what they're asking us to do is to get a couple brothers with a couple of our young people that want to do some fishing. I'm not sure if they supply the fishing reels, but you don't have to worry. There's enough fishermen in the church that fishing reels won't be a problem, but it's a great way to connect with uh, our police officers. They want to come and talk about gun safety. They want to come and talk about searches. They want to come and talk about all of the above. So we're great to have this relationship, and we want to maximize it. So instead of us always asking, we want to cooperate. So I think this is a great endeavor. It doesn't cost anything but two hours of your time. All right, two hours of the time, so I hope that we can get some brothers right now. I've got five slips. It does not have to be a brother. If there's a lady out there that wants to go fishing, that's fine. I don't have no problem with that. All right. Uh, yeah, they do supply the fish in the water. <laughs> brother Bob, they do supply the fish. They are in the water. And so uh, clearly, again, uh, I think it's going to be a great opportunity to build a relationship, learn about the Michigan State Police, um, and enjoy time with Officer K. I call him Officer K because uh, I'm still trying to figure out how to say his entire name, but I call him Officer K. Uh, but I think we've got a great relationship. He is a believer. And so we thank God that first and foremost, our relationship starts because he believes in Jesus Christ. Young man, um, and so again, we're looking to build on that relationship. I want to thank Lieutenant Parsons for connecting us and seeing the things that we're doing. He heard my plea about, you know, we're in this community, and this park has never been visited in my four years, and Lieutenant Parsons decided to do something about that. 
And so we have been in contact, and he's eager to come and do some things. Uh, he wants to talk to us about gun safety, about searches, about, about stops, everything. So we want to maximize that. All right. And we want as many people to be a part of it as possible. Well, this is the one way that we can strengthen the relationship by going fishing. All right. So I want to make you aware of that. I think the time starts at three. Um, and so I got that here for any young person that wants to be involved uh, and any adult that wants to go. As far as I know, I think I've got about eight slips if I need more than that. Uh, I will certainly uh, make sure we get those. Uh, the deadline is July the 10th, so we got some time, but we don't want to wait till then to turn things in. All right. So those are some things that's going on in the month of June. As we speak this week, um, the National Baptist uh, Congress of Christian Education is in session. And uh, I've had the privilege to attend virtually online representing New Life and Wolverine State uh, Congress of Christian Education. I told you that we had a representative going on behalf of the Wolverine uh, State Congress, and I'm pleased to announce that she placed third in the nation. All right, she placed third. So we are thankful for that. Last year, we took first place. This year, we took third. So we're establishing this track record that we're going to always be in that top three. So, again, we are grateful, again, for the young lady that placed third. Uh, again, we're thankful that she placed third. Out of all the young people across the country, she placed third, all of, all of those that participated. The Congress goes on until Friday, I believe. So, again, we're thankful for that. So, again, thanks again to the state of Michigan for representing well the second year in a row. Coming up in July, we got some phenomenal things happening. July the 17th, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be our church in the park. If you've not purchased a T-shirt, you can do so. Uh, again, you can cash app. You can givelify your money. The shirts are $13. Um, and then when you show up on Sunday, you can check mark the shirt that you want. They are already in process. So I want you to get that shirt on that day. want to make sure that there is a wave of individuals with a new life shirt on. There'll be, uh, I don't know what the menu is yet. Uh, I think we're trying to decide between caviar and steaks. And we haven't quite figured out which one yet. Uh, but I'll let you know that soon. All right, I'll let you know that soon. All right, so I want you to be aware of that. Hey, all hands on deck that day. Uh, the, the church in the park service is an evangelistic service, all right? So we're not, listen at this and take it in the right form. We're not necessarily interested in people from other churches coming. We want to use this service to win souls for the kingdom. It's an evangelistic service. So we need you to invite your nephews and your nieces, your, your neighbors, your co-workers. We want God to be showing up. And that's one reason why, there again, I want you to connect with our prayer ministry. They're already uh, coming twice a month and they are praying. Uh, obviously, on that day, we want you praying that the Lord will show up and win some souls for the kingdom. We've got some other things going on. We will be doing, uh, again, like I said, some feeding. There might be some entertainment things going on afterwards. I want you to be aware of that. So, again, we're asking to be praying that that goes exceptionally well. The end of the month, the fifth Sunday of July, uh, Deacon Christopher Tatum will give his first sermon. 
And so we're looking forward to that. Uh, we've got some people coming from Nashville and around the city that will be here. So again, we want to make sure that our house is five-star ready. Uh, so we're doing some things right now, not just for that, but we've got what we call some star moments over the next couple weeks and months where our building, our facilities will be on display. So we are spending a little bit extra money to make sure everything is where it should be so that when people show up at our place that everything is where it should look five-star and everything that we do. So we're working on that now. Just want you to be aware of that. We'll talk a little bit about that middle of July because, you know, we have a family meeting where we'll give stewardship for the first uh, six months of the year and what we're going to do the last uh, six months of the year. So I want you to be aware of that. Um, in the month of um, August, uh, we've got, again, Mr. Maurice Ashley, who is identified as the first African-American grand chess master. He will be at the Mission in the City Park. And again, we're looking forward to interacting. He's going to be doing a photo op. He's going to be speaking. He's going to do chess with somewhere between 8 and 15 people at one time. All right, it's called a chess exhibition where he will do chess with about 8, between 10 and 15 people. He will play each one, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, that's the weekend of the Cultural Festival. So as you can see, we've got a relationship with them starting that morning. We're going to have, I think it's a cancer run that's going to start here, and then we'll go right into that, and then there's some other things going on. I just want you to know we're moving into the spot that we're looking for as a ministry. So, again, be praying. All right, be praying that we will do all the things that God wants us to do. Okay, so those are some of the things that's going on. Uh, over the next uh, couple weeks and months to come, again, I always say this, and let me just say it in advance. Let me just, again, thank you, New Life, for all that you do as a ministry. Uh, I want to always make sure you understand we are certainly applaud and appreciate you for all that you do, everything that you've said, for the gifts that you've given, for your leadership, for your support of everything that we've done. I always want to make sure you know that we appreciate you for your prayers, for my family, for our leadership, for the leadership team. Everything you do, we are appreciative. So I want you to know that in advance for all that you do. Okay? So those are some of the things that's going on. God has continued to add to the ministry. We're grateful, again, for all of you. Uh, I forgot to do this on Sunday, um, and I want to make sure I do that. Are you going to be here Sunday? Okay, all right. All right. All right. I want to make sure that we uh, present Sister Heatherine Mims her certificate on Sunday. So I want to make sure I do that. Again, I uh, want to make sure I do that. She was trying to sing a song early, and we told her that she wasn't going to sing no song today. Uh, all right. And so, again, we thank God again for all of you uh, with us on today. Hey, I hope you got your outline. Uh, and for those of you that's in the place on today, I would idea just took the notes and just put them on a new piece of paper. Uh, so those of you that are with us on today, uh, I want to pick up on this area called the comfort zone. The, the series, the faith, the walking, um, um, walking by faith series is entitled, and you have to help me, Deacon Roscoe, now that I don't have the full outline. It says, um... Yep, says walking by faith, being stretched by God to strengthen my faith. So I want to pick up real quickly and try to run us through uh, the comfort zone. 
all right? The comfort zone, all right? The comfort zone, and maybe some of you have heard these comments. Well, there's nothing wrong with where I am right now, all right? Uh, I think I'm doing well at least better than most people. Does that sound familiar? I'm not interested in doing anything different. I am just learning how to handle things at this level. Why change? Does that sound familiar? What about this? Somebody else can deal with this. I'm not cut out for it. All right, what about this? This is just too much for me. All right, now, there are many other statements that maybe somebody has made uh, and the point that we're trying to get at Sister Campbell is sometimes what we're actually saying is, I don't want to do nothing else. I'm okay where I am. I don't like, I don't like not knowing what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't like not being in charge. I don't like not being able to be comfortable. And I say this often, and it bears repeating, Ms. Minister Cameron, as a believer, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. All right. You are always in the hands of God, but that does not mean that life is going to be comfortable. And I think we have to get adjusted to that. Peter tells us that don't be surprised at the painful trials that you are enduring. So what is Peter saying? Get used to the fact that everything could be sunny, 75 degrees with a slight wind. And on tomorrow, it can be 99 degrees and humid as all get up and go. Now, we've experienced that because we just had that happen on Monday. All right? Uh, you can have good weather and everything, and tomorrow it can be minus 35. You know, that's just the way life is, all right? But we've got to learn how to be adjusters to everything that goes on. So I've discovered at the end of the day that the comfort zone uh, is a place where our lives become predictable. Uh, in other words, we manage every moment of our lives. See, that's when you can tell you're comfortable because you know everything that's going to go on in your life and you control it. All right. Some of y'all just got quiet right there. All right. We, listen. And when you can control your life, God is not in charge. I, amen to my own self. When you can control everything, when you eat, where you eat, how you eat, how you spend your money, how you do this, who you see, what's TV you watch, this going on, da 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 da, then what you're really telling God is, God, I don't need, I got this. You can go work on somebody else. I'm cool. All right? And yet the Bible says this, trust, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own stinking thinking. All right, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall. See, when you can control everything, he shall is not there. All right, so we've got to understand that. See, the comfort zone is a place where we don't want to do nothing different. Amen to my own self, Mr. Crickets. And listen, can I just tell you right now, that's one of the biggest deceptions in the church right now. We think we okay. We don't want to change nothing. Why, why we got to do this? Why we got to do a program for kids? Um, do you see any kids in the church? Well, if there aren't any kids in the church, don't you think there's something wrong? See, let me just put it this way. If you can look around in your church and everybody in the church looks like you, you're already in trouble. Amen to my own self. Now, what do I mean by that? If everybody in your church black, you already got a problem. Because heaven ain't going to be just black folks. 
It ain't going to be just educated folks. It might be some people that just got out of prison. It might be some people living in a shelter. It might be some people just getting off drugs. You know, and you've got them, and it's going to show up be some cheering. If everybody in the church looks exactly like you, Houston, we got a problem. Now, what does that mean? That means you got to do something different. Watch this now. I'm, I'm trying to set you up for it. And that means, listen at this, if they won't come here, you have to go there. Amen all by my own self. And that's part of the problem. See, you don't want to be uncomfortable because uncomfortable means that you might have to go to the jail. Now, I'm not saying go because you're going to jail. I'm saying you might go witness in jail. You might have to go to the juvenile. You might have to go to the schools. You might have to go over there to the Rufus Bradley Senior Mission in the City Park and witness to the 30 or 40 kids that's over there every day. Y'all just got real quiet right there. You need to go where the kids are. Jesus, look, Peter said this. He said, whatever they are, become that, that I might win them. So where was Paul? I'm sorry, Paul said that. So what is he saying? Paul is saying, wherever they are, I will go there and I will be what they are to win them. And the problem in the church is we become comfortable safeguarding ourselves from danger. And when you look at the life of Paul, Paul said, man, I was always, my life was all, look, I've been shipwrecked. I've been beat half to death. I've been, you know, I've been stoned to death. I've been robbed. I've had to worry about not eating and where I was going to sleep at. Paul said, my life was always in an uproar. But I learned to be content in all things. Why? Philippians 4.13, because I can do all things through Christ. So what is he saying to us, Sister Salter? He's saying to us, we've got to learn how to be comfortable being. Un- Here's another thing. See, we ain't interested in learning nothing new. Hmm? We ain't interested in learning nothing new, nor are we interested in being reminded of the rules of what we have learned. We don't want nobody to tell us to be holy. Huh? I mean, come on, talk at me right there. Because that would mean doing it the right way. See, often what happens in church, when you're in church long enough, eventually the Bible becomes our own rules. What do I mean by that? We change stuff in the Bible to fit us. Y'all ain't saying nothing. You know, we make up rules of what Jesus said. Jesus ain't said none of that stuff. I mean, come on, talk at me right there. We'll make rules up like on the first Sunday you wear black. Y'all ain't going to say nothing? I mean, I ain't seen that. in. Can y'all just point that out to me in the Bible where it said on the first Sunday Jesus wore black to do communion? I, I, I mean, come on, talk at me right there. All right. Where did it say that we had, where did it say in the Bible that Christian education is on Sunday? Well, I know why it's on Sunday, says Redeemer, because we call it Sunday school. <laughs> that makes sense? That's why, says Meekins, it's on Sunday, and you better not put it on Saturday because Saturday don't sound like Sunday. Okay, says Janelle, ain't ain't nobody saying that. I know you can say amen, right? Yeah, says Watkins. And so at the end of the day, no, 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 no. No, Sunday school means we hold it on Sunday. That's a man-made rule, right? Y'all got real quiet right there. You know, uh, the comfort zone is where people just want to live a stress-free life. I don't want no stress. I don't want no drama. I don't want to have to deal with nobody. You know, so when new people join, 
we'd be the first one to point them to somebody else and not to us. Because we don't, look, we don't want to have to deal with that drama. Now, that lady just came in there with them three kids and them old bad kids. You know, we need to hurry up and get them in youth church so they can quit making noise in the church. Instead of helping the young lady. I mean, talk at me now. Instead of helping a young lady with them kids, we turn our nose and look like, look, you disturbing me. I can't hear. But what about sisterly love? Says Margina Gary. What about helping? All right. Sometimes what we do, you know, says Janice here, what we do is we look back to the we look back to the, the hospitality. I mean, you look beyond them and be like, now I know y'all hear this noise right here. Y'all be pointing stuff now. I'm talking, see how quiet y'all get? Watch this now. Uh, the comfort zone is where I put up with something for a quick minute, but if it moves me out of my routine, I'm going to quit or pass it on to somebody else. Okay, so now, you know, we're on, we're on the prayer ministry. All right? We're on the prayer ministry. And now, you know, over this last year, Sister Blanche Williams has become in charge. And Sister Blanche Williams do things a different way than what we used to. She, she like really want us to pray. <laughs> I mean, for real. I mean, no, no, no. When we get together, we're going to talk about stuff. But we, I mean, pray? No. And she actually wants to look at the cards and start praying about the stuff on the cards. No, I want to pray about my son that's in jail. No, we didn't pray about your son for five years. No, no, no. Let's pray about, let's pray about some real stuff. All right? All right, the comfort zone is where I don't want to be challenged about my actions, behavior, or sin for that matter. No, no. See, the way we are now is instead of us admitting our sin, what I want to do is when Deacon Stewart come to me about my sin, I'm going to say, yeah, and what about them bad kids you got? Because it's called deflection. See, deflection is how dare you. I know you're right, but I don't want you to confront me. All right? That's the comfort zone. But no, nobody better come tell me nothing about my kids or else. I know something. Y'all ever heard that before? Yeah, that's the comfort zone. And so for all of us, again, you know, the, here's another piece of comfort zone. The comfort zone is where we say, well, God knows this is the way I am, so I'm going to stay this way. Y'all got real quiet right there. All right. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, what I've discovered is that the comfort zone is a place of false security and one that can and will stymie a believer's growth and purpose in this life. When you don't walk beyond where you are, you're already in trouble because God did not design you to stand still. He designs you to keep moving in the program. And oftentimes as churches, where we go wrong is we get happy and content where we are. Well, you know, we better than every other church. I guess we're doing well. No, you ain't. No, no, no. You're here by God's grace. But God didn't intend you to stay there. And I, I can tell you this right now, and I say this often. If the membership is not growing, we're already dying. And a creative, relevant church knows we cannot stay here because people out there have so many different needs. 
it's great that we do, uh, again, Operation Dry Bottoms. But what about recovery? What about dealing with the homeless? What about dealing with those that are just getting out of prison? See, there's so much work that needs to be done. But the minute we start talking like that, everybody put that Baptist finger up and they disappear. Talk at me, somebody. So, so when I think about comfort, I think about a state of physical ease and freedom from pain and restraint. I don't want to do nothing that's going to cause me to have to get to church earlier than 11 o'clock. No, no, no. Now, I already go to church on Friday, on, on Wednesdays and Sundays. No, no, no. So, you know, Saturdays is my only day of rest. I, I, no, I, no. See, what you're telling God is I'm comfortable. And God is saying, I need you to do more than what you're doing. And as a church, we got to do more. We got to give more. We got to pray more. We got to witness more. We got to serve more. Because if we want different results, we got to do different things. All right? And so God is telling us, you know, and I told you about Paul already. So I don't need to tell you about Paul's life. If you want to look at it, 2 Corinthians 11 and 23 down through verse number 30. Paul said, man, my life has been turned upside down. But I'm still serving. And for the record, every single disciple, and I gave you a list of them, so I won't have to go through that because I don't want to deal with that today. Every single disciple, with the exception of John, their life ended tragically. And they knew that was going to happen, but they continued to serve. They didn't know when, they didn't know how, and they did not know where. But Jesus made it clear, you're probably going to die a very gruesome death because you serve me. Keep doing what you're doing, but it's going to come at some point in time. You know, imagine being hung upside down on a cross. Imagine being boiled in oil. All right. Imagine being uh, hung up by all four parts of your limbs and just torn apart. Imagine being beheaded. Imagine being stuck with three or four swords. Imagine being stoned to death. You know, they died horrific, but they knew that following Jesus was going to cost them something. What are you willing to give up? Because see, even on days like this, most people are, I ain't going to church, it's hot outside. Hello, somebody. And let me push you a little bit, because even now on Sundays, it's amazing to me that we can go to Walmart, Huh? We can go to Myers. We can go to uh, Big John Steak and Onion. We can go to McDonald's. We can go to the gas station. We can go to the coffee shop. We can go to the movies. Talk at me, somebody. <clears throat> we can go to reunions. We can go to birthday celebrations and graduation, but can't show up on Sunday. That's amazing. So, For those of you that keep using that as an excuse, God say, I'm not buying that. All right, some of y'all didn't already turn me on. And think about this now. If your kids can go to school and put a mask on, why can't they come to church and put a mask on? And if you can wear wear a mask in Myers, why can't you wear a mask in the church? Hello, somebody. And so we start looking at stuff. It's time for us to stop coddling everybody. Coddle me. Stop babing everybody and tell the truth. 
You go to a family reunion with half your cousins and nephews you don't even know and don't wear a mask, but then when it comes to the church and we tell you you can wear a mask, we even give you a mask and you won't even come. I'm going to use the word L and it's not loser. For some folks, it's lazy. For some folks, we become content being at home. And the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of ourselves. Hello, somebody. So when I look at this again, you know, we've got to get to a point where even this modern convenience is great, praise God. But at some point, we've got to come back in the house. And the question becomes, when will we come back in this house and worship? Well, you know, everybody be sitting together. Well, everybody got mask on. You, when you go to the restaurant, you be sitting right on the other side of a guy just on the other side of the thing. But that don't stop you from eating. Huh? And so at the end of the day, when are we going to stop making excuses? All right? So Jesus foretold that they was going to die. All right? But yet that didn't stop them. All right? So at the end of the day, I need you to understand this. You can look at the next page, if you will, which tells us that there's going to be nations rising against nation. Matthew 24, verse 7 down through verse number 14. For those of you trying to keep up uh, online, um, uh, Matthew 24, verse 7. I won't read it. I just want you to know it's there. Matthew 24, verse 7 through 14. Jesus says this. He said, look, for my sake, you're going to go through some things. Don't think we aren't going through. Anybody remember Columbine? All right. Remember Columbine where that girl chose not to deny Jesus Christ and they shot her because she said she was a Christian? You might be put in that position. All right. And so you've got to understand that. See, here's the thing that I understand, and I want to be crystal clear as it relates to this, uh, Sister Megan. Sometimes God, listen, God allows trouble. God allows crises, he's allowed pain and suffering in order that we may learn how to depend on him for mercy, for comfort, and for strength. It's not on yourself. When you're going through, the psalmist said this, I think it's Psalm 121, he says, I will look to the hills from which cometh my help. He didn't say I looked at GM. He didn't say I looked to the Saginaw PD. He didn't say, I look to my gang, 5th Street gang, 4th Street gang. He said, I will look to the hills and understand the connotation. When he says, I will look to the hills, he really didn't mean I would look at a hill. He really meant I would look beyond the hills into the heavens from whence cometh my help. For all of my help and my strength, it cometh. From the Lord, the heaven or the maker of the heavens and the earth. So even in times when it's uncomfortable, I get it. Sometimes your body don't act right. All right. Sometimes you got you got you got aches and pain. Like now, where, where did that just come from? I went to bed feeling well. Now all of a sudden, uh oh, it can happen. All right. And you can do something so simple as try to hit a volleyball. Just try to hit it over the net and you'll wake up the next morning like. I can't lift my arm. I mean, those things happen. It's part of life. OK, it's the listen. It is the only way. It is the only way that we can discover what God can do to comfort us when we endure adversity 
in our lives. Sometimes you'll never know the power of God and the consolation of God and the comfort of God until you are facing a storm by yourself. And this is what God will do sometimes, Dean Stewart. Sometimes God will remove everybody. All right. He'll position you where nobody can help you but him. And sometimes before he actually responds, he'll give you a taste of what adversity looks like. So when you do cry out and he does respond, you'll be appreciative that he came to your rescue. Huh? I mean, I remember, I remember when I was a resource officer for Central Middle School. And I could handle, I could handle fights and everything. All right? I could handle all that. But one day, one day, Sister Tatum, um, uh, Arthur Eddie came over. And Arthur Eddie and Central was like arch rivals. They were like the Hatfields and the McCoys. All right. And so, you know, the fight, you know, the game was going on between the boys, the ninth grade boys and the ninth grade uh, guys from those. And so I had one assignment and that assignment was we had already cleared everybody out or so we thought we had. And so the assignment was to get them boys from Arthur Eddie, get them through the lobby and get them on the bus. That was my assignment. That was my mission. And I was like, OK. But when we got outside, unbeknownst to us, everybody that we thought we cleared out was waiting for us outside. So I had one assignment. My assignment was to get them from the door to the bus. All right, we got half the kids from the door to the bus, but by the time uh, the sixth player came out, somebody took a swing, and it was on. And so here I am with about 15 fights going on at the same time. I'm trying to break this fight up. And by the time I try to break this fight up, he go another fight. And so here I am, it's like 15 fights going on, and I'm powerless to stop all of them. And I never will forget in the midst of say, Lord, have mercy, help me, God. I'm breaking up fights. And, one, and I, all, I saw, one, all I saw was this long arm that reached over and started helping me pull the kid. That was Officer Braddock. The police was there. And when I know he was there, I had some kind of like, okay, help is here now. I can go ahead and do what I need to do. But have you ever been in that situation where it seemed like, regardless of what you try to do, it just seemed like Hades has broke loose in your life? That was one of those moments where even though I was doing my job, I was powerless to stop the chaos. And sometimes you're going to feel like that in your life where I'm doing the best I can, God, but it seems like as soon as I stop this, here this comes. As soon as I stop that, here this comes. And sometimes it's multiple issues at the same time. And part of that is the stretch zone. God is trying to stretch you to depend on him. So here's one of the things that I've discovered. It, 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 listen, it doesn't make no difference what church, it, listen, it doesn't make no difference if you're a preacher's child. Don't make no difference if you went to seminary. It don't make no difference if you can speak in tongues and heal folks. It don't make no difference if your family live on that side of town or this side of town. Trouble know everything about you. And understand this, brother believer, you are not immune from trouble. Now, you don't, but Reverend, you know, I've been good all my life. Well, the Bible said there is none good. And good does not immune you from trouble in your life. All right? Listen, I want you to understand this now. Uh, one of the things that I've, I've understood, and I need you to understand this as well, 
that even when we have trouble in our life, God is teaching us how to live the Christian life. All right? It's imperative. It's important that you understand that. And this is how we learn how to patiently endure. When you look at a lot of the Psalms, he said, I waited patiently for the Lord. You know that was? That was David. Do you remember David had everything and in the blink of an eye he lost everything? Remember David was being chased by Saul? And David had to live in caves. His wives were taken. And David said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he heard my cry. It, that's the stretch zone where, okay, God, I know you're in charge. It don't feel good, but I got to wait on you. It don't feel good in the stretch zone. I'll tell you that. And anybody here can tell you that. But you got to learn how to wait. Remember, I gave this analogy before. All right? Um, if you cook barbecue ribs... Spare ribs, country ribs, whatever you call them. It would be nice if you can just put them on the grill, close it down for one second, and pull it back up, and the meat is done. No, no, no. When you put it in there, it's got to be marinated, all right? And the heat temperature has to be right. And then you got to keep flipping it because it ain't done. And I told you this about two weeks ago, and I still say this. Part of the problem in the church is we got a lot of half-done Christians, you ain't done yet. That's why you're on the fire. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in the retest because the only reason when you're being retested is because you're half done. All right, I'm going to talk a little bit about that, but you got to understand. And here's my concern because I think people need to understand this, Ms. Campbell. One of the things that I've discovered is when you live in a comfort zone, here's some warnings, and it's on your outline. There is a lack of spiritual growth. When you stop learning, when you stop going through tests, you stop growing. And that's a problem in our churches now. Why do you think the church ain't on fire no more? Because people have stopped learning. For most people, Brother Raz, the church is a routine. Now, let me help you with this, Sis, sis, sis Sutton. Let me help you. See if, see if this sounds about right, Sis Veda Weston. When people come to church, I could be wrong. When people come to church... They got a certain place they sit every Sunday. Huh? Does that make sense? Almost every Sunday, they come at the exact time almost every Sunday. Right? All right? And look, don't be sitting in their seat when they show up. Because all of a sudden, they ain't going to be in the spirit no more. And they might have to sit someplace that they ain't comfortable. And you know what they'll do? They'll do just like this. Let's just say they have to sit in front of you. They'll be looking back like, you won't be there next week, I promise you. <laughs> See, their they mind ain't on the word no more. Their mind is on the fact that somebody got my chair. Right? We got certain habits. Watch this now. We only give a certain amount of money because that's our routine. Hello, somebody. I'm stepping on some toe, but I know I'm right there where I need to be. All right. And we will say at least one amen. I mean, I got to say my amens. I only got four of them, so I didn't use one already. I used one last Sunday. I used one the Sunday before. I only got two more left. I ain't using no more. Hello, somebody. All right. And so, you know, at the same time, we don't like folks sitting around us that talk too much. If you glorifying God too much, I'm going to look at you and get, and I look, that's the second time I looked around. 
you glorifying God too much. Now, look, now, you need to be quiet. I don't like a lot of noise around me. And yet the Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye not the Lord. He is, y'all, y'all are helping me. And so I say this often because I hope you get it. You don't have a right to remain silent when you come in the church. You can yell all the way down the street and the people can hear you down there and you'll come in here and won't say a word. So when you're in a, when you're in a comfort zone, there is lack of growth. There is no increase in faith. All right. I, I, I've discovered this and I could be wrong, Sis Meekins. I could be wrong, uh, Sis, Mc, Sis McCravey. Um, you know, sometimes we are critical of those who are in the stretch zone. Have you ever noticed that? Like, why they, you know, they going through, they, you know, they must be doing something wrong. You don't have to be doing anything wrong to be in a stretch zone. God could be working on you. All right. You, you know, when you're in a comfort zone, you always got a reason for not wanting to change. All right. You got, always got a reason why you don't want to change. Here's another one. Uh, sometimes when you're in a stretch zone, there's a failure to execute the divine assignment that God has on your life. How are you going to fulfill it if you don't want to be stretched? Huh? And, and I want to say this, sadly enough, there's a lot of people in the church that will never achieve their maximum purpose because they don't like being stretched beyond where they are. And God did not create pew members. Hmm? He didn't create pew members. All right? Here's another thing. You know, when, you, when you're in a comfort zone, you become a poor and misleading witness. All right? You become a poor witness because you can't testify about the power of God because you've cut the power off by staying in the comfort zone. Have mercy, Lord. And here's the other thing now. When you're in the comfort zone, you need to understand we are operating in disobedience to God and guidance from the Holy Spirit. I ain't doing nothing else. This is it. And when you do that, you're now telling God, I hear what you're saying, but I ain't doing that. I'm okay where I am. The unctioning of the Spirit means that he breathes on you to move you. He has other things for you, but if you turn him off because you're okay, you'll never move forward, and that's a danger of every church. Any church that's not growing is being disobedient to God. And there's no way you can tell me that God is comfortable with you having just five members. Because somebody ain't doing no witnessing. Y'all done got real quiet. All right, and I said this earlier, but it bears repeating at the end of the day. If you can look around and everybody is your age, there's no kids, there are no babies, there are no young people, hmm? there are no old people, the church is already dying. Because when you think about the people Jesus had, he had married, unmarried, he had uh, he had prostitutes. He had everything in the church. And yet his purpose was to convert all of them. So I say to us often, and it bears repeating today, if we aren't witnessing, we all being disobedient. And it should not be a dress contest. Because oftentimes, says Mac Wright, the problem is 
we, we shame people when we come to church dressed and we know they don't have what's necessary. And our issue should be come as you are. Matter of fact, I know how you, watch this, I know how you are. I'm inviting you to church. So what I'm going to do Sunday is instead of coming in my regular outfit, I'm going to come dressed down so they fit in. I'm just kind of giving you some creative things that we can do. Because remember now, the kingdom is not about you. It's not, it's not a fashion show. And sometimes we get caught up in that. It's not about you. And here's the real talk. You come in here with your latest everything on and have the cleanest, the dress, the nicest dress and the nicest shoes and have the dirtiest heart this side of heaven. Now, I'm going to say amen to my own self right there. Jesus said, it's not what goes inside that defiles, it's what comes outside. And so when I look at this, brothers and sisters, the question becomes, how does the comfort zone hinder the church? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Well, when the church is comfortable, number one, there's a fair to fulfill God's plan for the church. When we okay with the way it is, that means we hinder the, the God's plan. What is the plan of God? Winning soul, spiritual growth, and lack of Christ's image. When, when we don't grow, when we're not doing it, many people can't see God. Because they see more of us than they see God. I want to submit and infer or suggest that I, I know you're okay where you are. But there needs to be some spiritual transformation. Okay? And God is always trying to mold us. So let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer it out loud. What's your hunger meter? Where does your meter stand? Do you have a hunger? I think it's, I think it's Psalm 42 or Psalm 46. I, I, I might be thinking the wrong scripture. It says, as the deer pants for water, so I thirst for you. How much do you thirst? And that's the question everybody has to answer. And if you're not hungry anymore, then the danger is that you will miss the meal that God has to fill you and help. Y'all ain't helping me at the next level. All right. So here's another thing. When, when, when the church is comfortable, um, we feel uh, there's a fair to fulfill God's design for the life of the church. Watch this. But also for the life of every member. If you're not being challenged by the preacher, if you're not being challenged by the teacher, if you, if, you know, if the pastor is always preaching sugar-coated messages, then you're already in trouble. Sometimes, every now and then, God going to cut you. And every now and then, he might make you mad. And every now and then, you're going to say, I ain't going back there, church. All right, he didn't got all up in my case, like, you know, all my business. He talking about me. Ain't nobody talking about you. We just talking about what we talking about. And I know, listen, that's why it's called the naked truth, because it ain't dressed up. <laughs> Y'all ain't hearing me. It's called the naked truth, because it ain't dressed up. And I always tell people this, when I stand in the pulpit, I ain't got no friends. Because, listen, I talk about y'all. And I talk about me at the same time, and I say amen to my own self. It don't always feel good when a gospel is preached. 
but it's the gospel. And listen, Jesus didn't have no friends. They were trying to kill. Every time Jesus preached, they were trying to kill him. Okay, so let me just tell you right now, if you think every time you open your mouth, you're going to be popular, the devil is a lie. Sometimes you're going to upset folks. I don't want to hear that. I've had people literally say that to me. I don't want to hear nothing out the Bible. Up oh, time out. Because I ain't got nothing. Look, if you don't want to hear the gospel, I ain't got nothing else to say. All right? I'm done with this conversation. All right? Okay, here's something else to think about. So, so think about this. When, when we're comfortable, there will be a failure to effectively mentor immature believers. Immature believers are going to challenge you. They're going to ask you, why should I stop doing what I'm doing? And they're going to keep asking. And sometimes they're going to trip. Sometimes they're going to fall. Sometimes they're going to uh, digress or regress. And you got to be willing that regardless of how many times they fall, you still got to encourage them. You still got to stand with them. You still got to help them. I always say this, and sometimes it's Mac right. I think we fail to remember that at one time you was out there in the world. All right? And maybe your world as a teenager and young adult is not like this world. Okay? But your wisdom of what you learn can still help them. All right? It can. But if every time you get frustrated, think about this. I, I want you to think about this. I say this all because I always want to keep it in perspective. Let me just ask this question. Um, and you don't have to tell me the answer. But let me just ask it. How many times... As of 6.53 and 36 seconds on today, since the day you was born, have you sinned? How many times? How many times have you sinned? Now, don't answer it. And think about how many times Jesus forgave you. Uh, to my knowledge, I could be wrong when I do the math, says Redeemer, but I think every time you went to Jesus and your forgiveness or your repentance was real, he forgave you. And Jesus could have said, wait a minute, now, now I done forgave you three times. I ain't forgiving you this time. See, that's what we do. See, we do that. When people do us wrong, we, oh, we're forgiven the first time, and we might forgive them the second time, but the third time, no, I ain't forgiving you this time. And yet the Bible says, if you will, says Watkins, it says, and their sins and their iniquities, I just say for the thing that you instantly do wrong and for all the times you didn't lie and told me that you wasn't going to do wrong, but you did again. He said, I'll forgive you for that too. So how dare you have the mitigated goal to act like you ain't going to put up with somebody and how many times that God had to put up with you? I mean, it's just food for thought. I could be wrong. All right, here's another one to think about. So, so when the church uh, becomes comfortable, there's a failure to develop a deeper purpose-driven life with Christ. We will never advance in our spiritual walk with Christ when all we want is what we got now. That's what I need you to see, all right? And then obviously at the end of the day, we've got to understand that when we become comfortable as a church, we are operating uh, we are operating in disobedience unto the Holy Spirit. God will not, he will not bless disobedience. And when we couple with, with half the folks in the church robbing God and tithes and offering, God is not going to bless us. 
And when we couple every Sunday having church and ain't nobody joining and we don't say nothing, God ain't going to bless that. Hmm? When people aren't joining, how many people join Sunday? Anybody? Did you even notice? Did anybody join Sunday? Okay, so it's Wednesday. So have you prayed? Have you prayed and say, God, I see nobody came, son, but Lord, send. Send labors into the vineyard. Send somebody this week that somebody's soul might be saved. Now, that's taking you out of your comfort zone because notice this now. Most of the time, most of us don't pray for the church. That's out of the comfort zone. Doing something, Lord, I'm praying that there's a fresh word from the preacher. I'm praying that the service is anointed. I'm praying that the minute we get on the ground, that people know it's holy ground. I'm praying that the greeters are anointed and they have a good, a fresh, smiling face on Sunday. I'm praying that when people walk in to uncharted territory, that they feel love, that they feel your spirit. That's... That's moving into uncharted territory. So why don't we pray stuff like that? Or did you know you were supposed to be praying stuff like that? I'm just asking. So how can our faith be strengthened if it's never stretched? Hmm? How can it be strengthened if it's never stretched? And I I want you to understand this. Uh, God tests our faith to determine its value. Okay, how strong is your faith? Now, for the record, just so everybody understands, God knows how strong you are. He just wants you to know not only how strong you are, but how weak you are also. Because see, sis, sis Cameron, you can talk a good game. You, you can talk a game like you the stuff, like you it. God said, okay, well, let me test your faith. Because I need to bust you. And let you know you're not everything you say you are. Huh? I know I've been there. And real talk, whether y'all want to admit it or not, some of y'all been there. I know you thought you was going to pass that test with an A and you end up with a B minus. Or sometimes a C. All right? And, and that's God testing your faith. Watch, watch this text. He says this, Psalm 138, verse 3. He says, in that day when I cried, thou answered me and strengthened me with strength in my soul. I called you, Lord, because I needed you. Because I knew that I was in something over my head and I could not survive. But that's why I called you and asked you for strength to get me through this. Sometimes it's only in the storm that you realize you need an umbrella to help you through the storm. And sometimes I know you think you got it. And you go in it with confidence until you realize, oh, I'm in over my head. And that's the way sometimes life is. Well, think about this now. Uh, think about the following and provide, the, you know, I want you to think about provide God's method of strengthening their faith. So, so how did God, as we get ready to close, how did God strengthen Abraham's faith? What did God do that strengthened Abraham's faith? I, I gave you an answer, but just in case you don't know it, I just want to kind of help you. She, what did God do? God said, take that boy. All right, but let me go a step further. God said, I want you to get all your stuff, you and your wife, get your hat, get your coat, and leave. 
You don't think that's strengthening their faith? And then God said, they said, okay, y'all going to have a baby. After they were well beyond childbearing years, and then God said, okay, now you got the boy. Take him up on that mountain and slay him. You don't think that's going to test your faith? You're going to say, wait a minute now. I think I had some bad talk to Molly's last night because that couldn't, that couldn't have been God telling me to take my child, not the child God just gave me. No, that wasn't God. That wasn't God talking to me. And that's what some of you have been. God had told you to do something, says Blanche Williams. Yes, said, no, that wasn't God telling me to do that. Because God wouldn't tell me to take the money he just blessed me with and give it to somebody else. Can I, can I bust your little bubble and say, yes, he will? All right? God will test you with the very things that you're trying to treasure. Because listen to what God told Abraham when Abraham, for real, got ready to kill his son. God says, now I know that you won't withhold anything from me. All right? And God will take you to the edge to see if you'll actually fall, knowing that he'll catch you before you fall. What about this one? What about Thomas? All right? Here God is. And Thomas had been talking all that crazy stuff. Y'all know Doubting Thomas. All right? Now, Jesus ain't alive. Y'all saw what he did to him. Thomas said, no, I ain't. No, Jesus ain't alive. So what did Jesus have to do? Jesus, listen at this now. Jesus had to come through a door. He didn't open the door. He materialized. He showed up and said, Thomas, come here and touch my hand and touch my side. Thomas had to physically touch his hand where the hole was still there and the side before he actually believed. All right? Sometimes, sometimes until you see it, you won't believe it. Thomas had to see for himself that Jesus, in fact, what about Elisha? Elisha thought all the prophets were dead. He was the only one. God said, no, I got, some, I got a remnant. Now, what I want you to do is go before Jezebel and her husband, and you tell them to meet you out here, and I'm going to do something that's never been done before. The very woman that was out to kill him, God now says, go stand before. All right? That's God stretching your faith. What, what about you today? What about you? Is your life being stretched? Maybe you got some chaos in your house. Maybe you got some finance issues. Maybe you don't know what you're going to retire on. Maybe your, gr your grown children keep acting like babies. Hmm? Maybe your body ain't acting right. Maybe the folks that's always been behind you and all of a sudden they pull a oopsie on you and they backstabbing you now. Maybe the people you thought was your friends was always your frenemies. Because sometimes people are surprised you with some stuff. Wait a minute. Not, not Pookie, not, no. I mean, my, my road dog, he did that? You'd be surprised. And let me say this to the church. And I'm just forewarning us. I'm not prophesying anything. Don't misunderstand me. But you do need to know there are some storms ahead of us. And we don't know how they're going to come, where they're going to come from, who they're going to come from. But the question becomes, are we prepared to lean on him and not on ourselves? Because I can tell you that there's going to be something, just like with every church, that's going to stretch our faith. The question is, are we comfortable or are we comfortable being uncomfortable?
That's the question that we got to answer. Okay? Hey, I want to leave you right there. We're going to pick up again because uh, I want to get to this whole issue of retest. I said a little bit about this Sunday. I want to say it to you right now. Um, if you feel like something is deja vu in your life, maybe that's God saying you got to be retested. Why does God tell you that? Because you did not pass the test. And God will not let you pass, go, and collect your $200 until you pass the test. Have you, remember this, Sister Tatum? And y'all may remember this, and I ain't saying this happened to none of y'all, but if it did, y'all ain't got to say none. Remember back in the day when, when you didn't pass certain milestones? The teacher would hold you back, right? Y'all remember that? Now, I ain't saying that about you. All right? But they wouldn't let you pass. Why? Because there were certain things you did not learn how to master. God is doing the same thing with the church. He will not advance the church until you have mastered certain things. So maybe the reason why you feel like you're in Stuckville is because you ain't took the test again because you didn't pass it the first time. And for some of y'all, you may have to take the test several times. I'm talking a little bit about that on Sunday, okay? All right, hey, again, don't forget our giving. Again, I always want to remind you of that. Your giving matters. And let me again just say to you, it has been stellar and outstanding, but we still got work that needs to be done. All right, we got work that needs to be done. I told you that we're trying to do, uh, we're trying to accessorize all of our classrooms with TVs and computers to get ready for September. Uh, that's about a five to $7,000 endeavor. Okay, we did not envision that. All right. But we want you to, if you can, whatever you can give. Now, Sister Campbell says she could write a check and pay for all that. But we don't want Sister Campbell to do that. We want everybody to help out. It's a concerted effort. Thanks, Sister Campbell. I know you want everybody else to help. So we want everybody else to help us with that. All right. Want everybody else to help. Whatever you give, it matters. Right? It matters. And I believe this. God will supply. If you have a desire to give, God will give it to you. The problem I find is when God gives it, say, look what the Lord then done. And then you go spend it on something else. Huh? If God gives it because you prayed about it, that means be obedient and give it. Watch this. And I believe that God will give you even more when you sacrificially give. All right. Looking forward to seeing you. Hey, don't forget uh, this upcoming Friday. Again, we got an hour of prayer. Looking forward to spending that time. We missed it last week because we were celebrating, but I'm looking forward to seeing you Friday. That's our prayer. Enjoy the rest of the day sitting on the porch, eating watermelon or whatever you're doing. I trust that you will enjoy it. It's our prayer that God will bless you until we meet again. God keep you. I'm looking forward to seeing you on Friday.